HR needs to step up, get rid of paternalism, stand up for your own people. Your people have made a commitment to come in and deliver on what you have promised your clients. Now it's your opportunity to step up for them and take care of them because that's the only way a business will survive. You need to start with your people first. This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast where we talk to HR innovators about all things people leadership. If you're looking for places to find about new ways to think about the world of work, this is the podcast for you. Please subscribe from your favorite podcast listening platform today and leave us a review. Rebel on, HR Rebels. All right, Rebel HR listeners, extremely excited for our guest this week. Thank you for joining us. With us today, we have Sabina Batia. She is the Chief Customer Officer at PayActive. She is an accomplished C-suite leader and a customer champion, tires, tirelessly fighting for the financial wellness of every American worker. As a Chief Customer Officer at PayActive, she acts as a daily advocate and an amplifier for the needs of thousands of corporate clients and millions of lower income workers. Welcome to the show, Sabina. Kyle, thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. Well, we are really excited to have you as well. And I'm really interested to have this conversation because I think it's really timely as we take a look at kind of our, you know, our economic environment. Um, there's all sorts of headlines around, you know, inflation and fears of recession and kind of turmoil. And I think one of the areas um, that continuously comes up and, and is presented to HR is the the concern uh, about our lower income workers. And so I really kind of want to talk about that a little bit today, understand a little bit more about how, you know, PayActive is helping to address uh, that concern and and just kind of dig into into your focus a little bit. So, um, just to get all of our our listeners kind of acclimated to uh, to the work you do, can you just tell us a little bit about um, you know PayActive and how they're how they're looking at this uh, this challenge? Um, PayActive uh, started about eight years back, so I would say twenty fourteen, and how we started was to be a provider of earned wage access. So as the words say, this is not a loan, it's not a credit, it's your earned wages. And what we saw was that there was a huge community within this richest country in the world called the United States of America that was operating like a third world country. So today we have 46% of the U.S. workforce is working in the front line of industries. And these are the workers that are making, you know, under $25 an hour. It's very expensive to be poor for them. And we'll get into more of the details, but that was really the problem that we needed to solve. And so we looked back at what can we do. Now, Kyle, you know, Technology can be used in many ways, in the good and the bad. It sometimes adds value, and sometimes it only adds short-term value. And that's just not what we wanted to do. We wanted to provide a lifeline of support to this 45 46% of the U.S. workforce. So what PayActive does is we work directly with businesses and on purpose, 
Uh, we think uh, businesses are created to add value for good, and they can do a lot. So we work directly with businesses to give their people, their employees, their workers access to their earned but unpaid wages between pay periods. So easier said in the form of a story, Sabina clocks in today. She works uh, in a manufacturing facility at around five o'clock, six o'clock, she clocks out. Does she get paid that day? No, she doesn't. She has to work. Uh, she has to work through the end of the pay period. And then when payroll is processed, she gets paid. But Sabina makes $12, $13 an hour. She can't afford to wait for six, seven, eight, nine, ten days to get paid. She has transportation costs. She has grocery costs. She could have emergencies. There, there are all these liquidity issues that Sabina needs to solve. And so she cannot solve it. And the employer wants to solve it, but they don't have the right technology to solve it. So that's where PayActive comes in. We work directly with the employer and an employee can access a percentage of their earned but unpaid wages up to 90%. And whenever payroll is processed, those funds come back to us. So that is where PayActive started. But then we realized, and after I tell you this, I'll pause because otherwise I'll lose the attention span of my listeners. As we grew within the industry, as we worked with more and more businesses, we learned that businesses just really cared for their people. They just didn't know how to make their lives better. So the request was, to provide more than just earned wage access. Today, the workers have access to their liquidity, but they also have true financial wellness on our platform. So they now they can save. They have a discount marketplace. Uh, they can access their wages in many ways. We've become a alternative to their banking partner. So we are not a bank, but we've become the choice for our users to use in, in as an alternative to their financial services. So they can do a lot on our platform and really live the life they've earned through PayActive. And that's really what PayActive is. Interesting. So, you know, I think, um, you know, as an HR professional, I'm sure many, many of us are probably sitting here thinking about those conversations that they've had where, you know, an employee has um, maybe been struggling to make ends meet and has asked for, you know, a, a paycheck advance. And, and many times the answer, at least in my case, has been, well, you know, we just, we really don't do that, you know, or we don't have that capability. Um, or in some cases I've had a, you know, a manager actually, you know, give a personal loan, uh, you know, to help someone kind of float to the, to the end of the, uh, uh, to the end of the payroll cycle. And, you know, and, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I mean, I think that story, uh, certainly resonates. I'm curious, uh, Sabina, what, what brought you, what into this, into this world, what was kind of your, uh, your moment of uh, awareness of, of this, uh, this problem, this challenge in our society? I've been very fortunate uh, to be surrounded by uh, 
of bosses and CEOs and uh, mentors that always gave me the opportunity to build, uh, to be part of innovation, to think outside the box. So I'm very thankful to all those colleagues. So now go back about 25 years. Um, I'm from New York. You know, I had a Wall Street job, worked as a hedge fund analyst in New York City. And then 2008 happened. And when 2008 happened, I saw a lot of my colleagues, most of them that were making, you know, six figures, right, and more, have a really hard time, struggle through the financial distress of 2008. Now, I'm talking about those that are making six figures and up. So think about those that are making under $20. You know, what does their life look like? But 2008 happened. And uh, personally, I just thought that I was just too old for the hedge fund universe. I thought I was not being innovative. I thought I wasn't doing anything fun and creative anymore. You know, my life had just become a process. And everyone around me will tell you that Sabina is not a person who can be stuck in the middle of a process. So I needed to do something disruptive, uh, something crazy. And I had lived in California before. uh, So I think it was a good time for me to reconsider it. So I have a pretty strong finance background, you know, did the usual MBA in finance, worked on Wall Street, worked in New York, did all that. Uh, But I was always very fascinated with technology. But I, my fascination never got to the level where I could understand the value add because I'm not a technologist. So I didn't really understand the capabilities. I thought it was just amazing what people can do with technology. And sometimes I was a victim of technology and sometimes it added a great value. So I decided that I would move back. Uh, to California. And I was very much encouraged by everyone around me. And I wanted to join a fintech firm. Uh, My background is of startups. Um, So, you know, Payato was a startup at that point, and I was given the opportunity to help build and grow it. So I moved to California. And I thought earn wage access was a no brainer. Why aren't people doing it? I understood that as lack of communication. We need to communicate it better. We need to educate people better. We need to pass the knowledge better. And uh, believe it or not, when I started here, I started as head of marketing. I do not have a marketing. (laughs) I don't know anything about marketing, but uh, it's the message part of it, which I knew and I understood. And that's how I uh, joined the Pay Actor. I was not hired. I joined because I saw a huge potential and I was correct. So that is my story and that is what I was empowered to do. That's awesome. And, you know, I think sounds like a Rebel HR uh, person to me. So perfect. Uh, I, I get that, that, you know, wanting to disrupt. And, and I think... Um, I think that's so so powerful, and I and I actually think this is something I wanted to talk about because you, you know you do a lot, um, just obviously through the work that you do um, at PayActive, but you're also involved in in you know the the conscious capitalism movement, 
And I think one of the things that's that's so powerful about human resources and capitalism in general is the 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 concept of you know creative destruction and and disrupting the the way that we do things with something that's a, a better way to do it, and then letting that kind of the merit of that idea win uh, in the marketplace. So I'd like to ask you a little bit about some of your you know some of your work as it. Uh, relates to conscious capitalism and improving uh, the world that we live in through uh, capitalistic uh, endeavors. Absolutely. So conscious capitalism believes that business is good. It creates value. It uh, creates uh, a trifecta impact on communities and businesses. There's the social impact of it. So there is a lot that we do that is conscious. And so just go back to looking at just our platform. We started with earned wage access, but that is not enough. We have to look at the holistic view of our user. All the little things that are happening in their lives that is actually disrupting our economy also. Let me give you an example. When an hourly worker does not get access to their earned but unpaid wages. Now, let's you and me try to be employers and not parents for our people. Okay, they have parents. Let's not go the paternalistic route. It doesn't help anyone. But when our hourly workers don't get access to their liquidity, they end up paying overdraft fees. Today, on an annual basis, Close to $25 billion is spent on overdraft fees. Kyle, now you tell me, instead of spending the $25 billion on overdraft fees and helping financial giants, how about you take that $25 billion and put it back into the economy? How great would that be? That's a simple little thing. That is one of the problems we are solving. But going back to the things we could do, with the technology that we have, and I'm surrounded by super intelligent uh, technologists over here and engineers. And I can say that I'm not one of them, but I see the potential of what they've created, right, for us. And that's where comes our technology. And I tell a user that I can do a few things. I can tell you, I'm going to charge you tremendous amount, but less than an overdraft fee to access your wages. Okay, so instead of charging you $35 for an overdraft fee, I'm going to charge you $25 to access your earned but unpaid wages. That's not right. It just doesn't work that way, right? We're already saying it's expensive to be poor. So I don't want to just give them an alternative. I want to give them their right to access what they've earned. So today on our platform, we have a zero-cost model for our employees. And we have the reasonable $1, $2 price models for our users. I didn't have to do that. I'll tell you one thing that recently happened. During the pandemic, we went ahead and we told all our users, we will not charge you any fee at all. None at all, Kyle. Nothing. Zilch, nada, for 60 days. Now, what I could have done is understand that the hourly worker wants their funds instantly. 
they can't wait till tomorrow, right? They want their funds instantly. So I have one fee for instant and I have one fee for next day. It was so easy for me to put out a press release and say, you know what? I'm going to excuse all next day transfer fees, but I'm going to charge you for instant. Come on. You know the user wants instant. So this might be a very small thing, but what I'm trying to tell you is that we do look at small little experiences of our users and try to make it better. And that is conscious capitalism. So it also goes back to how I started. This is the richest country in the world. And we have 45% of U.S. workers in the front line of our industries that you and I encounter every day in grocery stores, package handlers, all that. you got to take care of them. They are your essential workers. So those are some of the things we've done, and that's how we think. Absolutely. And, and I just, I think it's, it's so powerful to, to have that mindset shift from, you know, capitalism, whether, you know, if you're in a for-profit, you know, enterprise, it, it's just all about money. And, you know, my argument is, no, it's, you know, doing good is good business. And if you look at all of the, you know, kind of the, the social movements and, and what many of our workers are asking about or asking us to do is, you know, they want to make sure that we have a conscience. <laughs> um you know, and I, and I haven't heard this term, but, you know, I can only imagine, you know, an employee who's, who wants to work in a company that labels itself as, you know, we're unconscious capitalists, you know, we're just here to make money. And, um, you know, I just, my argument is it, it doesn't work. It, maybe you can make more money in the short term, but, you know, true, sustainable, um, resilient businesses, you know, need to uh, think seriously about conscious capitalism. So I, I appreciate that perspective. I think it's, it's really important. Um, as you were, as you were talking about the overdraft fee, um, you know, it, it, it reminded me of an experience I had when I was, when I was very young. So, um, if you'll, you'll humor me, um, I'll, I'll share my, I'll share my personal story. And so the first thing I'll say is, you know, I didn't grow up in poverty, but I certainly didn't grow up, um, with affluence. My parents were teachers and I grew up in rural Iowa, um, and I remember when I, when I graduated and I was kind of finding my way, um, I had a, I had an overdraft fee situation. You know, this was back when you're in your early twenties and you think, oh, I can afford that rent. And it's like, like 90% of your take home pay, right? <laughs> well, that doesn't, that math doesn't really work. Right. So I got, I got into a, I got into a challenge, um, with, with credit cards and with some bank overdraft fees. And it was like going down a drain. It was like a downward spiral. And it's just like every time you tried to get out of it, another fee would pop up and another fee would pop up. And you were in, you know, and it was my own fault because I made a, a decision. But then when I wanted to get out of it, I couldn't. And I was very lucky that I had, um, that, that my, my, quite frankly, my parents bailed me out. And I didn't realize it until after they had done it, but it was like they just did it because they saw what I was fighting through. And at that moment, I made a decision that I was never going to get in that situation again. But I've carried that to this day. And 
as I talk to employees who are either just starting their career or maybe are, are struggling with money and have kind of continuously struggled with money, you know, it's a spiral and it's really, really hard to break that spiral without some level of outside intervention. And so I think, you know, just, just another story there. And, and, you know, I take this very personally, um, that, uh, you know, if your employees are struggling, if there's any way that you can help them, um, even if it's just a, a small gesture, sometimes that can mean, um, all the difference. So, so thank you for, for sharing your, your story there. And, um, hopefully that gives some listeners some pause. I wanted to ask a question here because you, you kind of mentioned this in the beginning. And I think, I think it's in the same vein of, of, of what we're talking about here. And that is, you know, why is it so expensive to be poor? It is very expensive to be poor. And uh, let's talk about it. Okay. Okay. About 200 billion every year goes into predatory fees. Now, what makes up this predatory fees? Overdrafts, right? But overdrafts come when you are a penny short or a second late on a bill. That's when it comes to your checking account. That's when you get hit. Now, you pay your overdraft fees, but then you pay late fees, disconnect fees, reconnect fees. All that happens. So that's just part of it. Along comes one other alternative that solves your liquidity issues, and that is your payday loan fees. You talked about your overdraft experience, you had to go to your family, you still remember that. So it was obviously a dignity issue for you. You still remember it. You are not rooting uh, for your salvation there that, yes, I got saved by my parents and I can do that again. No, you're still thinking about it and you're, you're thinking about the spiral. Think about the payday loan space. You know, there are payday loan companies that are only online and there is no cap at all on the interest rate. No cap. So you could be paying 500, 600, 700% APR. And then in some states, they have caps. So that is also part of the predatory loans. Here's one more, and then I'll talk about the cause of all this. Here's one more. You know, you go to a, a, a car dealership and they have these, uh, you know, buy here and pay here. So they have their own way of giving you a loan to buy a car. And you end up paying, you know, 20, 25%, 30% on that loan for the car. So the car that could have cost you 200 bucks a month is going to cost you 1100 bucks a month. And then they put like a tracker under your car. They want to make sure. So it's just, it's such a humiliating experience. And this is all for someone who has a job and has earned but unpaid wages. So it is that liquidity crunch that's putting them there, right? So if you look at it, there is that 190 billion. 
But for those who forget the details of the 190 billion, let's talk about a very simple experience. Kyle, you and I will walk into a Costco or a BJ's or a Sam's Club and we go and buy, uh, you know, bulk loads of goods that we need for the home. And the per unit cost of that is a lot less, which is why we go there, right? We go and buy paper napkins. And that same 12-pack paper napkin outside is going to cost you three times, four times the amount. But you and I pay $75, $80 for the annual membership, and then everything per unit is a lot cheaper for us. Now, you tell me if you make $15 an hour, are you going to go and buy five gallons of milk from Costco or one gallon of milk, which is probably a lot more expensive, but you just have to pay for one gallon from a 7-Eleven or a little strip mall? It's a lot cheaper for you to get it because the per unit is a lot higher, but it's cheaper for you to spend five bucks on a half gallon of milk versus 10 bucks on 10 gallons of milk. So right now per unit, just because I could not afford the Costco membership, I could not afford to buy in bulk. I just now paid three, four times per unit. That means it is expensive for me to be poor. That's what I am doing. Right. So that is one experience. People don't think about it, but that's what happens. Here's another. I don't know if you ever watched this show, Roseanne. When I first came to the U.S. in the 1990s, I used to love that show because I thought it was funny. It took me 10, 15 years to realize what I was learning in that show. When you talk about this 45 percent of Americans in the front line of the industry, it was Roseanne and Dan who were dodging bills every 15th and every 1st. They would send a check into the utility company to keep the utilities on for the next three days so they could take that money and spend it on groceries. And then after three days, the utilities got shut off, but they got three extra days of utilities. So, you know, things like this, but when your workers, and you're an HR executive, when your uh, your workers are going through this experience, It is not fun for them to be at work. They are standing outside a parking lot trying to get 20 bucks to get through the next couple of days from their parents, and they're going to remember it 20 years down the road. I'm sorry, I might have just aged you 20 years, but but they're going to remember that 20 years down the road. You don't want to do that to them. Absolutely. Yeah, it was almost exactly 20 years ago. So yeah, I I remember it. I remember every, every embarrassing, you know, moment. And I think probably the most embarrassing thing there was feeling like I lost my independence. You know, as a young, as a young adult, you think you can do this without help. And, uh, and, and that was, was powerful. No, it's funny. Um, so my wife loves Roseanne and she still watches the reruns, but Roseanne, um, you know, little fun fact here, it it was set in, you know, in, in rural Illinois, which is basically, um, like an hour or two from where I grew up in Iowa. So, you know, I, I feel that, but I know, yeah, I know that, uh, that, you know, that family and, and, I'm current, you know, I'm currently in the manufacturing industry. Um, I've met a lot of people in that exact situation 
And, you know, a great example, as you were telling that story about, you know, utilities, it got me thinking about something as simple as affording gasoline, right? And right now, um, you know, this is, we're recording this, uh, you know, a few weeks before it's going to come out, but right now gas is around, you know, it's, it's at the top of its range and it's, you know, around $4 plus just to fill up your gas tank. Um, you know, I've had conversations with people who have told me, listen, I really want to come to work every single day, but I can't afford to put enough gas in my tank to get to work. I need help just, you know, with a carpool, you know, something like that. One of the things that that we did at my last company is, um, we contracted with a local taxi service and we said, Hey, if you, you know, if you need a ride, <laughs> well, we will help you, you know, here's, here's how you can get that help. And we, you know, we extended that offer. We didn't have many people take us up on it. I think because of kind of the, the pride issue and, you know, they, you know, they, they found alternative ways to get there, but, but also by doing that, like it's goes back to like the conscious capitalism discussion earlier. Um, it was also good for business because it got them there. Right. And that ultimately that's what we wanted as an organization. So it, it was just a, you know, it was a different way to think about helping employees overcome kind of that, that challenge. Right. And, and just thinking differently. Let me tell you, I'm so glad you mentioned gas and I did not. So now what I'm about to say does not sound prepared. So which is great for your podcast, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm in Silicon Valley. Gas over here is $6 plus. Okay. But let's talk about conscious capitalism. Let's talk about financial wellness. Uh, Let's talk about what technology can do for you. Let's talk about um, it can become expensive to be poor, but how we are helping. Today on our platform, users can do two things at least to save them on gas. Uh, They can get a 10% uh, discount per gallon on gas on our app at no extra cost. There's no fee attached to it or anything. They go to a Murphy gas station and they get 10 cents off a gallon of gas. All they need to do is swipe the swipe our card. That is huge. Okay, here's another thing. You can have $1,000 in cash sitting in your pocket. You cannot take an Uber ride if you don't have money in a card because that's what you'd link to an Uber app. You don't need to do that anymore. On our app, we actually have a partnership with Uber where an employee can use their earned but unpaid wages that show accrued in our app and grab an Uber ride. Now, that is liquidity. That We, we just solved their transportation issue, which is one of the top three reasons why they use our app, because they need to get to work. If I can't afford to get to work, how am I going to earn my day's living? The third thing is, and this is really from the employer side, uh, we actually have a lot of businesses who send Uber rides to their workers. And the business is saying that I'll spend 10 bucks on their Uber ride, no problem, because I cannot fill that shift if this worker does not show up. Because the business has to deal with the worker talking to Kyle and Sabina when they check out a grocery store or they go to the pharmacy or they wait for a package to be delivered. You know, all those things. 
right? So businesses can send Uber rides to their workers on our app at zero cost. All they have to do is pay for the Uber ride. So, so these things, right? The things that are happening in their life, it is about liquidity, but it's also about all those other things that are triggered when you cannot afford to live. And that's what our platform has become. It's become the livelihood platform. We don't talk enough about that word because, you know, I, I still need some time to convince uh, HR executives as to how we're thinking, but it has become the livelihood platform. It's about all little pieces that we're trying to fulfill for the worker. That's really interesting. You know, it's um, I actually just had this conversation a few weeks ago with uh, with an organization that's trying to work on a transportation issue within our community. And it has to do with, you know, things like, well, you know, your shift starts at six, but the bus route doesn't start running until six. So that means everybody that takes the bus is at least 45 minutes late. You know, and, and, you know, so we're, we're trying to petition, but yeah, I mean, there's a solution right there in a piece of technology that's sounds like it's already built. Um, and I'm like you, I'm not a technologist, but I love technology. <laughs> and so I, I just love like, you know, there's gotta be a way to do this. Um, and somebody that, somebody that is a technologist can, can help us figure it out, but that's really powerful. Um, and, and appreciate you sharing that. And if you want, I can go back, we can cut it out so that you told me that before I asked the question, if you want me to do that, Sabina, no, no I'm kidding. Like <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> no, I really appreciate that. And, and I do think, you know, we've, we've touched on some things that are really potentially sensitive as well. And I think that's one of the things, I mean, and I can't tell you how many, how many conversations we've had on a, on this podcast with 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 a, a number of different people you know if there's one common thread through almost every single conversation that I've had since starting this podcast it's been helping your employees be successful you know it, whether that's through making sure they have a great experience making sure that you're compensating them fairly you know making sure that they have the right benefits package making sure that you're you're educating your leaders to help them out. But I think at its base level, a lot of times it's this, it's this type of stuff that really makes the most difference. It's really, how do you, how do you help with basic needs for your employees? And ultimately I think my goal, I think any HR professional's goal is that, you know, we also want people to grow and develop and get to a point where they they don't have to work the lower wage jobs and that they they have the opportunity to develop those skills and grow and have gainful employment um you know for for years to come with your organization but if they're constantly fighting these stresses they're never going to be able to do that right you some somehow there needs to be a catalyst to help them get out of that spiral agreed i mean uh, hr gets a bad rap right that if uh, yeah. our HR executive <laughs> says, Sabina, can you stop by for a second? I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> right? It's just always like, it, but that's the reputation that people have given. I can tell you that we work with thousands of HR executives and they are telling us we care. And they show us that they care. Uh, they just need a solution, right? So the way we look at human resources is that you are the only source to make their life better. 
Be empowered. You have the power to do it. Don't be their parents. They they have their parents at home, right? Uh, one set of parents is awesome, right? But at work, do all those other things that makes their life better when they leave work because only then can they come to work excited and happy and do all the things for an upward movement. Otherwise, like you said, it's just a spiral that just never ends. We have HR executives that come and tell us that, oh my God, I saw this person sleeping in a car in the garage. And when I looked carefully, it was actually one of my employees. I was embarrassed. And I said, you know what? You should be embarrassed. Mm. You should be. Find a solution to solve this person's problem. If you can help one person, it is huge, right? And we tell HR executives that I'm going to help you retain your employees. Today with PayActive, you can tell your prospects and your employees that come work with us and you can get paid any day you want, any day. Not once, not twice, not a percentage, any day you want, you can access your pay. And they, you know, they love it because they're also competing with the Gen Z, with the freelancers, all that. But they want to be able to say that I might have a payroll process, but that is my downside. I'm going to help you anyways, so I can sleep better. And that's really what being a B Corp is about. It's what conscious capitalism is about. Let's do the right thing. Everything else will follow. Absolutely. I love it. We're going to, we're going to end it right there. Cause I think that's a wonderful note uh, to, to end on and we're going to shift gears and we're going to go into the, the rebel HR flash round. So um, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Question number one, where does HR need to rebel? HR needs to step up, uh, get rid of paternalism, stand up for your own people, your people, have made a commitment to come in and deliver on what you have promised your clients. Now it's your opportunity to step up for them and take care of them because that's the only way a business will survive. You need to start with your people first. I love it. Question number two, who should we be listening to? I listen to this uh, podcast almost every day. How I Built It. I love that podcast. It's an uh, NPR podcast. And it talks about how small businesses started and they became big and the mistakes that were made and how innovative they were and uh, how they're doing today. So I learned something from every podcast. Um, I've heard stories about Whole Foods from there, about Wayfair from there, uh, from small to large businesses. So I love How I Built It on NPR. That is, I think that's the second in the last few weeks that we've had that as, a, as an answer. So you're in, you're in good company, Sabina. Clearly, I need to check that one out. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Last question. How can our listeners connect with you and learn more about PayActive? Uh, you can go straight to our website. It is PayActive. There's no E in it. P-A-Y-A-C-T-I-V dot com reach out to us and we would love to talk about ourselves and how we can help you. Absolutely. And we will have all that information in the show notes. So uh, you can just open up your podcast player, click right in, 
uh, learn a little bit more. Sabina, I just want to say thank you again. You know, we, we've covered some really important territory uh, today, and I think um, just appreciate you kind of sharing the, the truth of, of uh, some of our employees' experience and some of the ways that we can help, uh, help employees um, have gainful employment. So uh, with that, thank you again so much for joining us and uh, Rebel on HR Rebels. All right, that does it for the Rebel HR podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.